Welcome to the Small Business Report. I'm Gordon Deal. We examine things like habits of entrepreneurs, emerging trends, financing, marketing, where to get help, even how to get started on your own. By the way, I love hearing from small business owners and employees. Let's talk about your business. Send me an email at gdeal at compassmedianetworks.com. Today's stories, small businesses in the vaping space Watch a new approach from the federal government and where high-level executive women turn for immediate feedback. Those stories after this. This human resources professional is crushing it thanks to Kronos. And this is his hype song. You can fall back with the pack. I'm a leader pack. I've got HR, payroll, talent, and time. I'm on the top, top, I'm gonna rise up. Engaging all the best people. Last off to the front of the field. This is Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. The Drug Enforcement Administration, for the first time, will collect vaping devices and vaping cartridges on National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day as law enforcement joins health officials Alarmed by a spate of apparent vaping-related deaths. Small businesses that operate in this space are watching the DEA closely here. The annual event, which this year is slated for this Saturday, traditionally focuses on emptying drug cabinets of expired prescription drugs or dangerous medications like the opioid OxyContin. More on what's changing with the DEA from Jeff Mordock, Justice Department reporter at The Washington Times. Jeff set this up. For the first time ever... The DEA is going to be collecting vaping devices and vaping cartridges as part of National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day. Um, And that's got some of the vaping industry all riled up because they worry that's going to be government overreach uh, in terms of interference from law enforcement in the vaping industry. Yeah, because there's a very specific line that they're trying to draw here between kind of what's dangerous and perhaps what's not dangerous, at least the way they might argue it, right? Well, that's exactly right. How they're arguing it is that the DEA put in their announcement that they want devices that have um, lithium batteries. And warn people, please take out your lithium-ion batteries before you um, drop off the vaping device. And the distinction that uh, the vaping industry is trying to draw here is that those devices are illicit, street-bought vaping devices used for THC, which has been linked to about 33 deaths in 24 states and 1,479 lung injuries. And they're trying to argue that, well, what the DA is, that the DA is misleading people because the DA is saying that they want vaping devices and they don't feel that the, they feel the DA should be more, more clear that they're looking for these illicit devices. All right. So I mean, what's the DEA to do versus uh, you know, the, the companies that support these vaping products? Well, even if, even, even with the nicotine, I mean, we know nicotine is a drug. We, we know it is. And that is in, you know, that's not in the, that is in the, the vaping that does not have THC. So the DA should still be taking this stuff back, whether they're looking for the illicit devices or regular devices. And that's what people who um, are, you know, that's what people who have criticized the vaping industry and have raised health concerns about vaping, that's the argument they're making, that this is still a drug. And this is still something that needs to be turned in, lest it fall in the hands of the wrong of, of a child or somebody, somebody else who shouldn't have it. Um, it, it. 
it, it needs to be treated as a drug. And that's what they think is going on here with, with the DA is that by including this, they're kind of creating a stigma that will link this to opioids and, and other drugs. We're speaking with Jeff Mordock, Justice Department reporter at The Washington Times. This piece is called DEA to collect vaping cartridges and devices on National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day. Uh, I know the American Lung Association weighed in on your in your story. What did they say? Well, they think that um, that the DA is finally recognizing that vaping is an addictive and dangerous product, and but they're also calling on. Uh, they think that what the DA is doing here is a good first step, but they're also calling for more to be done from FDA and Congress to regulate vaping products. Uh, they think there should be more legislation, and we haven't seen it. The administration's done some things, and one of the things I point out in my story is this is the latest step from the administration. It seems like they're kind of taking micro steps here towards regulating uh, regulating the industry. I think this is the latest. We had... Um, the FDA strengthens its warning about THC vaping products last month. Or I'm sorry, earlier this month. Uh, earlier uh, last month, the Trump administration forced e-cigarette companies to take vaping products off of the market. So slowly and incrementally, it seems like the Trump administration is trying to regulate va- the vaping industry. All right, and then. Does it seem like the vaping industry might be forced to take out its own uh, marketing or ad campaign to try to explain this? I think that's what's going to happen because that was the criticism from the vaping industry that they don't feel. I talked to a uh, vaping association director as well as somebody who runs a vaping uh, shop, and they said the DA is really needs to be clear here that they think the DA is, is, is almost to the point of misleading people and they're sending a dangerous generalized message about vaping that you know when enjoyed by in their arguments when enjoyed by adults and when enjoyed um, properly without the illicit THC and other illicit um, devices used it, it, it's an, it's okay for adults to use and they feel that This is really just poor messaging by the DA. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Mordock, Justice Department reporter at The Washington Times. More after this. As a small business owner, you need protection for your physical and financial assets. From general and professional liability insurance to business owners and commercial auto policies, GEICO can help. Go to geicocommercial.com for your free quote and see how much you could save today. It can be lonely at the top. That's why some high-level executive women are increasingly turning to texting within tight circles of business leaders for instant advice on everything from product dilemmas and compensation questions to policies on early maternity leave. The women say networking events are fine, but add that text-based advisory groups reflect the reality of how busy professionals must work now. It's a story by Chip Cutter, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Chip, what's trending? Well, so this is a really interesting phenomenon. I've been talking to a number of executives, and they say that increasingly they're forming what they call their on-demand text board of directors. And these are people that they can go to at any moment throughout the day with all sorts of questions, whether it might be how much to pay someone, how to deal with a tricky situation at work, how to fix a product issue. Um, They say it's really critical that you know who to go to in that moment. And they say it's a different form of advice than you may have gotten in the past. There was even one woman you said who just felt good about getting a pat on the back because she got something done, which I thought was interesting because when you're the CEO or the founder, right, I mean, where's the credibility coming from 
when there is a pat on the back. Uh, well, that's right. I mean, I think a number of CEOs and a number of high-level executives, they you know they have a lot of they have people reporting to them, and so there's there's oftentimes you know they have to be the kind of you know, you know the, the the public face of the company. They need to be the ones to have you know those nerves of steel when something goes wrong, uh, and so sometimes they just need to be vulnerable with somebody else who maybe be out who may be outside of their firm, and so that's why a number of these executives are are forming these these text boards, um, and I just think it's really interesting. I mean, the people that are doing it, so it's everyone from Heather Fernandez. She's the CEO of this um, really fast-growing healthcare startup called Solve, uh, based in the Bay Area. Uh, she and others who are board members of companies like Cisco and the real estate giant Redfin, um, they, they say that this should apply to any people at any level of their careers. That if you're someone, you know, regardless of where you are in a company, you need to have a couple of people that you can go to who can give you candid, honest advice when you need it. Um, they say they like in-person networking events. They like going to dinners, industry dinners. But they say this is how we work now, and this is what people need to do to ultimately be successful and get honest information. We're speaking with Chip Cutter, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. His piece is called "When These Executives Want Candid Advice, They Text." Are they initiating these sort of uh, text advisory boards through things like networking dinners or weekend retreats? Or how are they coming up with? How are they meeting these folks? They are. So there are oftentimes it's often starts with an in-person meeting. And Heather has an interesting approach. She will meet someone that she finds, you know, interesting, smart, insightful, and she'll ask them straight up, can we take this relationship to text? And oftentimes the other person at the end of that knows what she wants. And they want to be able to talk in a professional way, uh, but both both feeling like they're getting something out of this relationship. And so she looks for people who are kind of at a similar stage as she is. She's raising three children. She's, she's running a company. She's on a public board. So she looks for people who maybe could relate to that. Um, but I think it's good advice for all of us, you know, wherever we are, making it kind of clear, um, you know, hey, could we, could we exchange information? I'd love to talk more. And then just trying to go from there. Thanks, Chip. Chip Cutter, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Michigan is one of the best places in the country to do business. But you don't have to take our word for it. Take Evan Lyles, CEO of Roush Enterprises, instead. For the people that are involved in product development, there couldn't be more unique and exciting opportunities that are really going to shape the future of the, of the world. It's a really exciting time to be in Michigan. Big things are happening in business here. Find out why by searching Michigan Pure Opportunity. Reminder, by the way, the Small Business Report can be found on our website this morning with GordonDeal.com. That's also where you can hear our daily news program called This Morning, America's First News. Again, if you'd like to share your small business story, I'd like to hear it. Send me an email at gdeal at compassmedianetworks.com. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Report. I'm Gordon Deal.